0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I bring you founders, co-founders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, you name it, all across the world of crypto and blockchain globally. And today I have another amazing guest. I'm really looking forward to this interview. And um, his name is Jasper Johansson. He's the founder and CEO of North Stake. Jasper, welcome. Thank you so much, Jamil. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Uh, pleasure, honor. Uh, so let's kick things off and uh, ask you the first question is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now?
1: So Jamil, um, before I founded North State, um, I spent I think, more than a decade in technology and management consulting. Uh, Uh, Most recently with Accenture Strategy um, and before that, Deloitte, uh, uh, Monitor Deloitte. And prior to that, uh, technology consulting in Denmark and uh, with a top firm. And throughout my career in consulting, I've been working on a variety of use cases that um, uh, uses or aim to use uh, blockchain technology. So in some sense, I've been sitting on the advisory side for large corporates and assessing the viability and also the timelines for when this amazing technology was mature enough for sort of corporate enterprise adoption. Um, And one thing that was sort of always pushed to the side were crypto, right? Uh, We sort of... We sort of always worked on the premise that you know these things will work uh and the crypto thing we have to sort out when we get there so but you know sort of adjacent to my day job in consulting um i fell down the rabbit hole of, of ethereum and bitcoin back in i guess 2017 early to 2017 where i also acquired my first ethereum and, and bitcoin and uh Still have it, <laughs> yeah. So that that was sort of my entry into crypto. Um, almost like sort of the, the the you know work work a daytime job and then um, outside of working hours, looking into what is this crypto thing? What is Ethereum? Uh, what is the utility of Ethereum and Bitcoin? Why is that? Um, why is that uh, the number one crypto asset, so on and so forth. So yeah, um, that's sort of the quick background uh, and and sort of entry into crypto.
0: Excellent. So um, I have a follow-up there quickly. You were working at Accenture and you discovered Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I know at the time in 2017, Accenture had built a blockchain that was editable as opposed to Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I just want to get what your thoughts were then.
1: Yeah, as I mean, in 17, I was actually working at um, uh, Novo Nordisk IT and uh, Deloitte. However, there was a lot of um, uh, corporations, enterprises um, who were looking into building consortiums uh, that would sort of bring industry leaders in whatever industry together to, to collaborate on how to leverage open permissionless networks. And um, the issue, I think, was not to identify and work on the, the use cases that you would build on top of this technology. Uh, the issue quickly became which network should it be? And back then, I did I don't think that you know, our assessments back then were that Ethereum weren't mature enough to sort of take on that level of sort of a whole industry moving into Ethereum. Um, so, so what 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 alternatives were there, right? And then you started looking into uh, permissioned, uh, you know, blockchain, uh, distributed ledger technologies, and I think IBM was at the forefront here. Um, Accenture also had play, but I think. Um, the you know, the commonalities between these investments these plays from these large technology companies were that I think they failed to understand what the underlying incentive mechanism and therefore the business ca- business model what is what what is that supposed to be if if you are let's say IBM or Accenture right thinking about thinking in terms of building technologies licensing them um taking fees for you know implementation consulting um and operations so uh, in that sense the <laughs> you can say the technology sort of innately just worked against that sort of big corporate play right because that has to be a centralized permission blockchain and there will be i guess room for you no know, permissions centralized blockchains but um, as a technology but it would not be as uh, ubiquitous i guess as 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 a uh, permissionless decentralized blockchain and i think we've we've seen this with just you know looking at uh, the internet as, as of today uh permission versions of the internet simply do not work uh, so i think um i think there's a lot of yeah still sort of commonalities or similarities to 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 what we've seen uh,
0: in development of, of the early internet. That's a great comparison. And we'll get into it a little bit more. I have a follow, I have some, I have some follow-ups in that area. Um, I do wanna first find out though, you know what North stake is all about and how you help institutions gain a stake in the future technology economies.
1: Yeah, so um, I thank you for that question. Northstake is a regulated virtual asset service provider and we focus primarily on building regulatory compliance staking products for institutional investors. Now there is a lot of I think I think a lot, a lot of talk about what is what is regulatory compliance within crypto, uh, what is the investment case for an institutional investor? Why should they invest? and then subsequently, how will they then manage this investment? And I think what the reason why we founded Northste and sort of our core thesis is that if you believe in the future of Web 3, all of the economies that will be built on Web 3, uh, similarly to, you know uh, Web 2 gave us e-commerce, for instance, a huge economy. Now, if you believe that Web3 can build new economies akin to sort of e- e-commerce, um you know, how would you as an investor then gain exposure to those uh those economies, right? And we believe that you should be holding a crypto asset in some shape or form. And then that's where all of the sort of issues start, both you no, know, because there's you no know, regulatory uncertainty, especially in the US, about this, you know, what is the nature of this investment? um, What is your just legal rights? If you are a um, service provider in this space, Um, there's a lot of different issues that sort of pile on top of each other of legal, financial, regulatory, operational security, issues right that you have to think about if you're an institutional investor and this is what north stake focuses on right we we build products that incorporates all of these aspects or addresses all of these issues so that you as an institutional investor can gain long-term exposure towards our crypto and towards these web3 and um, um economies and the reason why that is, by definition or by its virtue, a staking product is that along to a sort of buy and hold strategy in crypto is a staking product. No rational investor would leave the staking yield on the table uh, by simply just um, holding the asset. If it were Ethereum, for instance, right, you would need to get that yield. Otherwise, you would be just you know uh, losing. The staking rewards the values the apy year and year for the time for the duration of your investment and um yeah so sort of sort of. i think um at a center, of what, what what it is that we do at, at north stake so we build those products that allows institutional investors to allocate in a secure and, and simple way uh, because let's face it many of these investors crypto is not their main Sort of uh, um, precision strategy, uh, it might make up make up less than zero point one percent of their their portfolio if they're a very large investor, and maybe less than one percent if they're a, a small investor. Um, and we like to say that we like to say that they have you know ninety nine percent other things on their balance sheet that they sort of either more care more about or are more focused on. Right? Of course, you have your your um, crypto VC, crypto investment, crypto hedge fund type uh, um, clients and, and players out there as well. Um, but North and we cater to those those type of clients as well. But we firmly believe in sort of the our mainstream adoption of crypto as a as an investable asset class for um, sort of broadly uh, for institutional uh, investors.
0: Awesome. Um, so, and you're you're in Denmark, so you're now under the Mica rules and regulations, right? So, it's important to be regulatory compliant, right?
1: Exactly. Um, this is this is um, this has been one of our key focus areas. Um, a part of the team that um, is North State of help helped uh, from an industry perspective in Europe. Provide the industry input to uh, the legislative process of, of creating the MiCA bill. Uh, we continue to engage regulators uh, both at the EU level and also domestically on how to uh, adopt crypto regulation and also how future iterations of MiCA uh, potentially would look like. And um, yes, we work closely with regulators on on, on this um, this topic.
0: Excellent. So. I've been noticing uh, something. I've been noticing a couple things in the market right now. And I don't want to get your take on this. Um, and people say this, and I don't know—true or false—are we currently in an institutional bull market while the rest of the crypto is in like a, either a bear market, crypto winter, or a crab market where things are going sideways? And if so, then why or why not?
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that
1: I think we're still sort of seeing uh the, um, the tail end of a of a bear market and you no, know, I mean Ethereum, Ethereum's up more than 54% this you know, year to date. Um, I think we see similar type numbers with Bitcoin. Um and I think all of the announcements dropping right now with uh, a new spot ETF, uh Bitcoin ETF spot. Sorry, I <laughs> of the the news that we're seeing with uh, blackrock launching or applying for a spot bitcoin etf um, citadel charles Schwab, and uh, fidelity investing in edx Uh, deutsche bank have applied for a crypto custody license in germany i think i mean these are all signals that would indicate that we are heading into a bull market. but for me at least I still would like to see the allocations, right? I would like to see the demand side really pushing through and in that sense I might be a bit conservative or I wouldn't say less op- optimistic, but at least I'm I'm, I'm I, I, I want to see um yeah show me the money right <laughs> I, I want to see stop talking about it. Stop announcing it. Just start allocating uh, to to crypto, because it's 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 critically important. I think for institutional investors to obviously not forego on their side, not forego an investment opportunity, uh, which is going to be seminal uh, in hindsight. And uh, on the other hand, um, from a from a community perspective, in order for crypto and blockchain technologies to really really hit that next level of adoption, you need institutional capital to help um bring in the value, uh you know, the appreciation and the price action that we'll see that would incentivize these communities to continue building and expand their ecosystems and 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 sort of accelerate that that adoption curve, right? So we we'll, we'll, yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic that we are heading towards uh, a bull market but I also recognize that um we are in a situation where it could go either way
0: right now. All right, so that's a good that's a good point. Watch the allocation, right? Um and not just the words. It's good. It's good. I I agree with you. Um so you did mention accelerating the adoption curve right so institutions should be and could be critical and crucial for unlocking mass adoption for web3 innovation right and democratizing the future for everybody um but this concept of democratizing the future for everybody doesn't that go contrary to the primary aim of a corporation which is to maximize shareholder wealth for just the shareholders uh, how do you how do you bridge that dichotomy or that those two things to me like they just sound opposite
1: that in order for adoption to occur we need uh, you know we need to travel on an accelerated path and institutional adoption of crypto assets will do that because it will bring in a lot of capital into these uh, blockchain ecosystems that will uh, help them accelerate the growth path that they are on and the use cases, the, the the economies that they're building on these blockchains are aimed at democratizing or decentralizing various aspects of uh, of sort of what we what we call future um, Web three economies. Whether that's decentralized finance, whether that's NFTs or tokenization, uh, real assets, these kind of things. Now. Um, now the interesting piece, the interesting piece and so sort of the second leg of the question is that does this concept go against sort of a primary aim of, of corporations uh which is to to sort of produce shareholder value and i think if you think about it from an institutional investors perspective they will be looking at an investment opportunity let's say um what what would uh, what would a liquid market of tokenized real world assets look like, right? In the future, um, there are certainly a lot of economic incentives to do so. Uh, in order to take very large assets and breaking them up into smaller bits and making them more liquid than they are today, uh, everybody sort of buy into that. But how would you then do that? And who's going to own the infrastructure and the the sort of the ecosystem of of service providers that would enable enable this? And if I'm an institutional investor, I'm looking at it, I'm I'm, I'm assessing the investment opportunity here. And that is done through the lens of creating or maximizing shareholder value. And I would be looking at and assessing this investment opportunity to what I can get elsewhere. What is the opportunity cost of of making this investment? Um, But the fundamental primitive that creates the value in this investment is democratization or decentralization or... You know, sort of making you know use of a technology which is which is founded on the core premise that it needs to be decentralized, and you need to have uh, you need to democratize the access to let's say in this case real world assets, um, making those available to uh, you and me and everybody else, and not just you know large institutional corporates. So, North State do not necessarily we don't necessarily have sort of a a dog in that fight if, uh, if if i can say that uh we monitor this but we have sort of a very pragmatic approach because we sit on the institutional investor side where we say you don't know how to make this investment you don't know how to manage this investment you don't know uh, how to you know long-term secure this investment and the reason why i can say that is because they don't would they don't want to understand this right they they rely as they do in many other in many other asset classes on uh, third parties uh, that they can counterparty assess and then they can partner with in order to make the investments that they need in order to uh successfully execute their strategy so obviously we're interested in Ensuring that the blockchain communities and sort of crypto communities see as much inflow as possible because it sort of helps uh, the price action long term, which is in everybody's interest. I hope that sort of answers the question.
0: It does. It does. Um, and it brings me to a couple of other questions. And you, you said opportunity costs, and you know, um, and, you, and you mentioned you know, uh, securely. Right. Um, so I think that one of the, one of the key things here is to how do they, how do they know they can trust their investment or you know, something like that? Like how can enterprise investors gain access to like fully compliant, you know, KYC AML services that they can trust in the crypto industry safely and securely. Right. How can they do that?
1: That's a great question. Right. And this is, this is what sort of, Unfortunately, it flies in the face of, 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 of all of our, you know, our you know, the crypto native people who, you know, why would we need KYC? Why would we need, you know, uh, to know who we're dealing with? And this is, you know, this is where we are very pragmatic in the sense where we say, you know, in order for there to be uh, mass adoption of blockchain technology and crypto as an asset class, then crypto has to conform to the rules and regulations and laws that exists and will and will be in the future, rather than the world try to sort of, you know, become fully decentralized, although I know that that is sort of a dream for many. Uh, We don't think that that is necessarily realistic. um, uh, To put that out there. (laughs) Um, So... Why is k y c and a m l important? well, institutional investors are bound by mandates in and on how they allocate investments some of the some of the allocations are actually um you know funds that is managed on behalf of you know you and me pension funds uh, for instance insurance companies so on and so forth i mean so we need to we need to think about okay what are the sort of general requirements that they they have in order to make an investment into any any sort of investment or any sort of asset class right and obviously KYCAML is is on you know it's the first sort of uh, hygiene factor that needs to be ticked off but it's not the only one uh, you need to be able to withstand um, you know thorough counterparty assessments uh who's your owner, what is your risk management structure, policy, framework, you know, who um I know, how, you know, have you been subject to third-party audits? What of those audits found? Um so on and so forth, right? So regulatory compliance go, goes beyond just KYC and AML. And in the future in the Europe, Um, It also would entail um, having a crypto asset uh, service provider license. Um, This is sort of the direct implication of of Mika, uh, Marketing Crypto Assets, where there will be sort of clear clear rules of the road for uh, industry uh, for the entire industry, whether you're an investor or you are a service provider in this space. So and there are other legal frameworks that apply as well. Uh, travel rule will be implemented soon. And the only way that you can the only way that you can uh, co- you know comfortably say that you are in compliance with these regulatory frameworks and laws is that, sort of from an institution perspective, is that you have a counterparty that you can assess, right? I.e., you need a centralized counterparty to uh, to partner with. And institution investors find it very hard to counterparty assess protocols, smart contracts, decentralized autonomous organizations. They need... I like to say that they need someone that they can sue. And if that is difficult or challenging, then then they won't won't necessarily go for it. So a bridge for institutional investors into crypto as an asset class will happen through centralized entities. And here we see sort of, I think, a big unmet need, not only in Europe, but especially in the US as well, Um, for how to sort of guide not the black rocks and fidelities of this world but sort of the long tail of institutional investors who would need to have an allocation in crypto in order to be competitive
0: I like that Um, I want to go back to a a word you said a little bit earlier because you said opportunity cost that was the first one right trust the second one is staking right? And you said centralized entities. Hey, we had that. We had we had FTX. We had Celsius. We had companies that were centralized, that had institutional investors making, staking rewards and earning interest. And guess what? The banks and the government didn't like that. <laughs> so at least the ones here, you know, they didn't like that. So it's been an attack vector of the SEC, you know, and it looks like an, an attack vector, especially against retail, you know, Um, How is thematic staking a viable option for institutional investors and what other viable products make the institutional investments an attractive option if there is staking involved?
1: it's well, a great question jamila there's a lot sort of to, to unpack in that question because i think first of all ftx even coinbase and also obviously celsius not that i'm trying to put those in the same, <laughs> same basket but um we need to sort of be clear on what is staking right so at no stake we do what I think most people like to call protocol level staking or native staking. You know, we run validator nodes, we ring fence those nodes and we apply a very stringent uh, compliance monitoring system on this so that we report to the authorities if there are any sort of suspicious activities with regards to these validator nodes. But it also means that from our client's perspective, we can... We can document on chain that their funds have actually been locked in staking on validator nodes, right? In staking positions on validator nodes, as opposed to let's say Celsius or even if I want to go into FTX because that's sort of a fraud show, but and maybe Celsius was as well. But I mean, the this is not this is not lending and borrowing, right? We do not rehypothecate assets, and I think a lot of the staking that took place sort of prior to Terra Luna blowing up and FTX as well, that was staking sort of rebranded into lending and borrowing where the underlying business model is fundamentally different, right? Because here you're not creating a yield from the chain. You are taking in client funds and you are repurposing those funds in order to get get a yield and then uh, make a spread. And and that's that's not how our business model works. And that's not how sort of how native staking works. Now, with regards to sort of the SEC and 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 their interpretation of of staking, um, I I hate to say this, but I, I I'm afraid that um, that this, the box doesn't stop with the with coinbase and if and, and kraken i i i mean there are a lot of us-based staking entities that will be sort of next in line uh block demon is a large one um uh bison trails which were acquired by Kraken, and um, i think oh all- uh, maybe, I'm miss- oh, maybe I'm missing something here. Uh, Stake.us, Bison Trails, which were acquired with some of the largest centralized exchanges, uh, are either part of the lawsuits now or they will be in the future. As you start to sort of start from a regulatory perspective, start to unpack what is native staking and what is lending and borrowing, because those are two very different things. Um, and I will say that, you know, if you look at the SEC, um, I think since the FTX blow up, you've had 130 lawsuits from SEC, which is more than you know, this, more than the total amount of lawsuits up until the point of FTX ever, you know, issued by F, by the SEC. So clearly there's sort of a political motivation to um, I know you Americans like to say regulate by enforcement um, which. Which is unfortunately what we're seeing, and I I don't expect that to stop until you have sort of uh, a clear legal framework in place that uh, governs how the how SEC should interpret uh, crypto assets and 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 uh, also staking providers. Um, here I can say sort of you know to take that into the to Europe, Mika has been. Underway for more than four years, five years. So that's a piece of legislation that has been thoroughly sort of uh, um, um, so there's a thorough there's a thorough legal process sitting behind uh, Amica, and what they've managed to do in that time period have been to sort of adopt into the the law itself what are sort of the standard practices of the industry rather than having sort of a, a, the, 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 the opposite where you're saying, okay, now we create a, 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 a new crypto law, let's say in the US, and then we'll have to set legal precedent in order to understand how we um, interpret this law going forward. And that sort of that process is very painful, take a lot of time. In Europe, we've, been, we've spent the time wisely uh to to actually adopt a lot of the industry practice into the current Mika bill uh is it perfect far from it uh there needs to be additional work and there will be a, a mica two coming up uh and um, you know in the future as well but it sort of gives europe a head start on this as opposed to the to the us um just to the sort of the final um uh, you know no it's just final thoughts on sort of thematic staking as a viable option um, I think institutional investors uh, regardless of how SEC is uh, is conducting themselves in the US currently uh, should pursue pathways to get exposure to crypto assets and uh Maybe it's maybe it's easy for sort of a European to say that, but you know there are viable pathways if you come to Europe, and we can see that Andreessen and Horowitz, for instance, have set up shop in, in 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 the UK now, and and there's a UK bill coming in as well, um, on on crypto assets as well. So what I'm trying to say is that uh, a lot of these investments are now moving overseas to Europe, and this is this is. of a proof point to what i'm saying that you know institutional investors will still like to have exposure to crypto assets it's just not taking place in the u.s at the moment uh to sort of and and that's sort of the loss of of,
0: for 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 our our american friends i guess well you have some friends here who definitely want you know to see the u.s advance (laughs) you know um and so uh, my next, I mean, uh, my next question is: Why is the EU going to be successful in the long game in crypto, as opposed to the US? Because the US seems to be falling behind. Um, you know, what could our regulators learn from from you, um, other than you know starting starting now instead of five years from now, like ago? Like, what else can they learn? How you guys did it?
1: So, I mean. Mm-hmm. I think you you need to take, take a step back if you look at crypto regulations and in in, um, in in the EU um this was Mika was initially prompted by the fact that uh Facebook and Libra wanted to uh, launch and this uh, caused a lot of concerns in the EU that coupled with the fact that you know we like to say in Europe that Europe's uh, EU's biggest export is regulation. Uh, you can take GDPR as a very good example of that. But what it, it did is that it prompted it prompted uh, EU regulators to start working on a comprehensive uh, crypto uh, legal framework. Now, this was sort of fueled by the fact because Facebook ultimately. Um, um, you know, abandoned their plans of, of of Libra so you could argue that the sort of sort of uh immediate threat was 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 gone but but EU regulators continued because they understood that that the the next sort of wave of innovation on on the next iteration of the internet what we call web3 today uh that needs sort of you know, a, a clear uh, regulatory boundaries and frameworks in order for uh, investors and bills and ecosystems to thrive, right? And I also believe that EU in many ways sort of felt remiss when we looked at the Web2 wave, if you like, of, of companies, Google, Facebook, and the list goes on. Um, none of those companies, except for I think Spotify, actually came out of Europe. The rest was US-based and 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 asia pack based But 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 Europe really sort of missed out on the entire Web two wave. Now, if you look at Web three today, I think some of the analysis that we've done shows that uh, almost half of all of the uh, blockchain development communities, um, so you know, developers actually sits within the EU region, in the world, um, and that coupled with a sort of a clear regulatory framework and legal definitions of and and legal statuses of um, of blockchain projects, crypto asset service providers, and the list goes on. That sort of sets. EU on a path for taking the lead on web3 and unfortunately US is making that uh, even easier now by by well what's taking place currently i would say though that you know what what US regulators must observe is um you know industry broad as illicit broad industry input because the reason why Mika is is, is, is very you know um, is a sort of from a crypto perspective uh, a very good piece of, of legislative work uh, is that they've they've incorporated a lot of the industry practices into the league into the legal framework itself and uh I could be concerned that regulators would um, would try to incorporate try to adopt uh, a new crypto bill uh, and not you know in very hastily and, and maybe not incorporate the the, the the level of of collaboration that needs to be with the industry in order to make sure that you have a sort of a, a, a comprehensive pack that package that sort of work um because the SEC will continue sort of uh on on interpreting uh current and future legal legal frameworks um and 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 i'm afraid we'll, we'll sort of continue to on it, on it, on, a, on a current path that it, they are they are on right so um so yeah so yeah that's that's my two cents from from
0: sitting across the pond. <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, I want to come across the pond in the next year and go to like places like the French Riviera or the Italian uh, or the coast. And like, maybe that's a great place to, to build a web three business. <laughs> you know, um, I want to touch on one final thing. Um, you guys have at North stake, you have an OTC and algorithmic, algorithmic trading platform, right? how, do you have any concerns to like Michael on how your platforms work or are you going to, guys going to thrive with, with, with what you're doing and um, just touch on that.
1: Yeah, again, I mean, this is, uh, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but this <laughs> is not a sort of a sales plug for EU, but um, Mika actually gives us, Michael gives us, uh, you know, a clear uh, regulatory status as a crypto asset service provider, which, um Uh, And sort of with that license uh, and also with the current VASP license that we hold, we are um, allowed to do any sort of exchange of crypto to crypto or crypto to to fiat or the other way around. Um, As long as we sort of adhere to uh, the uh, AML, uh, applicable AML laws. Um, Soon, we also see the travel rule take effect. So we need to have you know, a thorough counterparty assessment of whoever transact, but we already have that today. So that's sort of in place already. Um, and and with, 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 with Mika, in some instances, um, we, we have to look at, you know, what type of, of counterparty are we dealing with? Uh, what tokens are we transacting? Um, but other than that, um, we don't have any sort of concerns in sort of our products, our platform, or offerings. Uh, quite the contrary, we're looking for. We look forward to seeing Mika, you know, creating an even more professionalized ecosystem of, of of crypto asset service providers, service providers that could that could um, take the next. Um, billion U.S. dollars of institutional capital into into crypto.
0: Sounds great. I love to see the allocation. Like you said before, let's watch the allocation. <laughs> you know, um, people should do that. So, um, oh, you did mention this twice and I got to just follow up because, you know, for people who don't know, like me, the travel rule, what's that?
1: So the travel rule is imposed by um, the financial action task force, F. Uh, FATF. Um, I'm sure you uh, have that abbreviation. And basically what the travel rule states is a number of thresholds on when um, you do transact between two counterparties, what level of um, uh, identification do you need to have between these two counterparties? And it is, uh, sort of impressed on both the sender and receiver in this transaction as well as as the as the transmitter or, or the counterparty or sort of intermediary sort of in you know um, execute this these these transactions to ensure that you know who you are dealing with um so that will take effect as well uh in 24 i believe uh and so there's that's sort of a uh, host of incoming regulation that uh, crypto as a service providers have to adhere to Head up so
0: got it i always have the travel like for me the travel rule is if i have crypto on a wallet if i'm traveling just put it on the blockchain and delete the wallet and then put it and then restore it after i'm done traveling <laughs> so you know um but yeah that sounds good so um, I want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been very informative and I enjoyed uh, speaking with you. And my final question is probably the easiest question is this. How can people find out more information about you, about North Stake, about potentially become a client of yours? How can they do any of that?
1: Well, the easiest way is to go to northstake.dk um, and read a little bit about what's going on uh, with NorthStake and you know, reach out to us um, either directly through Telegram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever channel you sort of prefer, um, direct email. And uh, we're very responsive and we we like to think that uh, we have to help. So if you have any questions, we, we're happy to sort of um,
0: help you out with those questions as well. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Timo.